In the first part of this episode, I spoke to liver doc or Dr. Abby Phillips sharing his views on the issues with traditional medicine. Now for someone who suffered from asthma in childhood and got treated through Ayurveda, listening to liver doc confounded me indeed. Every day in my OPD, I see patients getting harmed because of misinformation or disinformation, getting harmed because of an alternative medical practice. So the whole aspect of curing an illness with an alternative medicine is actually a myth. Now, alternative medicine survives because it's good business. It's nothing to do with patient care. I'm a doctor. I've studied medicine all my life. And the way I think is purely from a scientific perspective, from an evidence point of view. And what people call as big pharma is actually not modern medicine pharmaceutical industry. It is actually alternative medicine industry because they are reaping benefits without showing any effectiveness or safety. If you look at YouTube, you look at Instagram, it's terrifying. The kind of stuff that is going on there and and even from doctors. So there has to be some level of break at some point. And I'm occupying that space where I tell people not to do that. At a time when natural, herbal and holistic healthcare are themes gaining popularity around the world, it is interesting to see the emergence of this unconventional, evidence-seeking view of a medical science practitioner like Liver Doc. Of course, it has landed him in a legal battle with one of the leading herbal companies, Himalaya Wellness. But the backlash from the advocates of traditional medicine was obvious, given Liver Doc's radical view that debunks everything that is not modern science. In the second part of our episode today, I seek the other side of this debate on the efficacy of modern versus traditional medicine. I reached out to Dr. G.G. Gangadharan, the founder-director of Ramaya Indic Specialty Ayurveda Hospital in Bengaluru. Dr. Gangadharan has been a senior practitioner for nearly four decades now and is a respected voice in the Indian Ayurveda community. In the episode today, he clears the air on the other side of the healthcare spectrum and highlights that the issues are with the way Ayurveda is practiced rather than its science per se. It's Friday, 6th of October. From The Economic Times, I'm your host Kiran Somvanshi and this is The Morning Brief. Hello, Dr. Gangadharan. Welcome to The Morning Brief. As an Ayurvedic practitioner, what is your view on all the observations that, you know, Dr. Abby Phillips has made about the inefficacy of alternative medicines like Ayurvedic medicines or homeopathic medicines? Many of the criticisms that uh, I have seen made by him is like six blind men seeing an elephant, not understanding the things in holistic and making observation to his perspective that is true because that is what he can see is not seeing the, the totality of the subject. The knowledge systems have got a different paradigm. This is one paradigm which is very much reductionistic, which modern biomedicine is carrying, is not able to understand the other knowledge system which is working on a different paradigm. I'll start with one example how it is distorted, this view. In around 19th century, end of it, one Claude Bernard was there. He's the founder scientists of the experimental physiology. He brought the concept of internal environment or milieu interior. And he taught 
when the, there was a big pandemic of infectious diseases, he said it is the body that matters. If the body is kept in its interior milieu and the body cannot get into any infection, body's immunity can work. So the first time one is endorsing from modern science, I think this, this physiologist who understood the concept of equilibrium and Ayurveda starts with the dynamic equilibrium concept. What Ayurveda says is that body is in a constant movement. Body, all body cells are in constant movement. It's always in a state of flux. It is never dead or it is not static. So we are treating a thing which is completely dynamic. When we treat that one, we have to correct the interior milieu or milieu interior or internal environment. That's what Ayurveda is doing. So only after Claude Bernard, his student advanced that concept further. But after that, there was not much studies done to understand how this internal environment is important for health and disease. Ayurveda work on a sound foundational principles, which say that the microcosm and the macrocosm, the external environment, the internal environment, the body, are made of same elements which can correct and increase or decrease things in the body. This is a language which he doesn't understand. I don't blame him for that because he doesn't understand this milieu. But based on this principle only, we have been working and improving things for the future. And it is not in India alone that this push for alternative or integrative medicine has happened, right? I'll give another example. Even in 1993, United States of America started in the NIH. They established an office called Office of Alternative Medicine with a one million budget. In 1999, if I remember right, that became National Center for Complementary and Alternative Medicine with a budget of 70 million US dollars. By 2023, that has further evolved to National Center for Integrative Medicine. So NCCIM, this is exclusively to understand the traditional medicine. That's how they started. It's not for any modern biomedical sciences. What they are doing was they are studying, observing, evaluating, and submitting the traditional system through the modern biomedical science perspective. And if you see the last three years of continuous Nobel Prizes on science. Many of them are based on traditional principles. We are seeing the Chinese uh, scientists go to the Nobel Prize for science-based medicine, artemisin, which saved millions of people from malaria. So basically, there is a science which made the people to use Artemisia anua, a plant, to treat malaria, which anua is not based on any modern scientific knowledge at all. So what I mean is that there is a paradigm shift needed if you want to understand Ayurveda. So I don't give any value to the observations made by this doctor because his knowledge is limited, his science is limited. But Dr. Gangadharan, how would you respond to the finger pointing that Ayurveda is not founded on a scientific basis and is not backed by scientific evidence? So modern science is an evolving science that is evolving from a reductionistic perspective from atom to molecule, molecule to cell, cell to tissue, tissue to organ, organ to body kind of thing. So they are trying to understand. Whereas Ayurveda, like sciences, I am representing only Ayurveda. Science is based on a foundational principle which are universal, which never changes. So it is on a strong foundation. Based on that, it works. So when you talk about the evidence, evidence is not that which is explained through a modern methodology alone. Evidence can be created by 
effect of that thing means we have got a, a theory of black box approach so problem with us is that we have seen that a patient coming to with a problem passes through a kind of system approach from ayurveda comes out with a disease free which can be observed by modern diagnostic or prognostic tools so then there is a change our problem is we are not able to explain how that happened but that is not the limit of a physician or a science that is the challenge of the modern people who want to know how it is worked or let us work together the reason why i tell you that is ayurveda as a physician i am supposed to treat based on the foundations i studied and i work it and i am a successful practitioner because people are getting benefit otherwise do you think that people come and sit in front of your clinic if there is no effect but he wants effect published the papers on each and everything it is also possible for example i recently published a paper on astrocytoma anaplastic astrocytoma i don't claim but astrocytoma is such a virulent case people don't survive more than 2 years after even chemotherapy radiation so there are successful cases treated with this kind of approaches and that person disease free after 7 years for that i needed to have a support system which will enable me to do the research the problem with ayurveda i feel is that a farmer is asked to plow the land with a stick you should give him a plow or at least ideally you give him a tractor so that he can plow properly this poor fellow is using the stick and keep on plowing how long he will do it so the way the funds are given to the ayush systems the way the institutions are built up for ayush systems is nothing i think it is peanuts so you cannot expect any research output through practicing physician i am a practicing physician i am not expected to do research and convince you about the greatness of a science i am supposed to convince my patient give him result and if you are interested you come and document and take the case that's what ayush ministries recently started doing it. i don't think they are successful but they are try when there was no ministry up to 1994 the department was not there up to 1994 when i started interacting with ayurveda system in 85 there was one joint secretary in the ministry of health his part time job was ayush leave alone not full time joint secretary and we got a full time secretary 1994 in government in india and we got a good ministry in 2014 and we got a ayurveda secretary in after 2 3 4 years so many years we had a ias officer so people were not knowing the virtue of ayurveda now there's a change why i am telling on this point is that we should see this question in the context not in isolation today there are turnovers uh, 800 crores in that if you see the classical products maybe 300 400 crores how can you expect them do a classical research wonderful research i see ministries budget also so what i mean is this is all uh, i am just contextualizing your question that not giving a bullet point answer because there is no bullet point answer to that but the allegation comes from evidence and history taking of the patients who have suffered and not been cured due to the use of ayurveda and natural supplements so how would you counter that many of the allegations being uh, referred by him are the distortions that have happened due to kind of malpractices by certain vaidya that happens in any system for example you can find so many malpractices that happened in modern system practice it is not the science culprit for that so we should distinguish there is something wrong happened for example if you don't make a certain medicine the proper way there can be heavy metal poisoning no doubt ayurveda says that so when ayurveda says that you make a rasa preparations there are five symptoms told for that to be looked into 
if you don't follow that parameters, there can be lead poison, there can be other kind of poison if it's not prepared. But properly prepared medicine will not have. One example I can give you, we made rasasindhuram, which is nothing but a combination of mercury and sulfur by a group of experts in cortical Ayurveda And it was sent to IIT and BARC. It was this research was done under the auspices of PM's office in 2008 to 2050. It got over. This period of time, they have found that the end product of rasasindhura, which is made nothing but sulfur and mercury in a a closed container has not even a single molecule or atom of mercury in the end product, Sindhura. So what is the marvel to happen in the process? What is the science behind that? And we have been using it. I use many conditions that Sindhura is a very wonderful preparation. And if traces of the same Sindhura prepared by an unscientific way, it may have a residue of mercury in the end product. So it is a regulatory mechanism of government equally applicable to modern science also. So these all things are not done. You are just claiming that biggest blame that you are making on Ayurveda is heavy metal, which is humble because it, they don't know science. And Ayurveda clearly says that there are five ways to study whether a preparation is made properly. And all these five symptoms are seen in the end product only. It is supposed to be used as a product. Another example, we say 2,500 years back, Charaga wrote that a treatment is pure. A treatment is defined as a pure treatment if that treatment never create any other disease in the process or that treatment will bring that disease again back over some time. Can you say a science which is so careful about defining even such things don't have a scientific basis? So he talks about the cases that he gets of patients who have consumed Ayurvedic medicine and that has impacted their liver. Because that is the evidence that as a normal reader who doesn't much have any loyalty towards Ayurveda or allopathy, these kind of data really becomes quite believable, right? How do you see that? Not at all. Not I, have, I studied very finely and I am the one who made a rebuttal about that article and it got published the same journal where he published that hepatology. This is a cooked up kind of evidence. I am happy that I got a chance to reflect on that paper. He has taken the OP patients of 13 institutions in the country, in different parts of the country, for 16 months. So let's consider how many patients you would have, at least it will come to 25, 30, 40,000 patients in a 16 months time. In that, he could get 46 or 60, I don't remember exact number, people who have got affected by some or the other thing. That also that people said they have been taking this medicine or that medicine for some time. Among many other things, they would have also taken modern medicine also. They would have taken something also. If you take very, very reasonable number of 50 also, 50 into 16 months, into 30 days, into 13 institutes. So, so much of efficacy for 60. From that, uh, people, they brought the medicine they have been consuming for some time. This is not a study to be even to be published to me. So I, that's what I bring you that. So how can you say it is evidence? In that paper, he again gives us evidence of previous publication, which is his own publication, which is same way it is not at all substantiated with any fact. On the other hand, I have got a recorded data of around 150 people whom I gave this Tinospora caudifolia in a fresh form. Crushed it, put it in the water overnight, hot water. The morning, excuse it, remove that thing and take that water. 
some people with honey, some people without honey. I give six months, seven months. We have seen that it is very good for liver. Liver enzymes improve, GPT, GO level improve. So many such changes we could see. And one fine morning, you are coming and telling that it is a liver poison. It's a crime against science to say the minimum. There are many such allegations which are not soundly. We cannot tell unless we use it exclusively for some time, for some condition. When you make such claims, should have a controlled study and should say, then I can also agree that. So there is no substantial subject or thing. And we requested Ministry of Ayush, it should put a case against this and get it withdrawn. Otherwise, it will be always quoted again and again against Ayurveda, this uh, unsubstantiated paper. But tell me something that traditional medicine has been around centuries, much before modern medicine came. So now when there are calls that Ayurvedic medicine or traditional medicine should give scientific evidence, do you think, you know, the Ayurvedic medicine or traditional medicine can do that or should do that? That's what it is asking a grandson to the grandfather how to produce a child. He knows better than this. Because I don't have other words to explain it. If you see it, the science have been evolving. And there was a big dark period between traditional science and modern science, some 700, 800 years. That then science is completely subdued. The science was not coming out. And we have got a modern science emerging, especially because of the their gross success in the infectious diseases, especially by the finding out of uh, antibiotics, were a big change. I do salute modern medicine for that. No doubt, they have done a wonderful job in that. So that subdued all other systems without knowing the other systems' uh, capability. They thought this is the only way. And there was a Cox postulation, 18th century, and we said that all diseases are because of in some kind of microbes. Now people are talking about innate immunity and created immunity as the basic thing for health. As when the COVID, we came to know it is the immunity that matters. So there's a science which entirely looking from a different perspective, we are not respected because they were not socially and financially or politically strong. So this science was completely sidelined. You know, even today, the budget of Ayush ministry, the whole country is lesser than the annual budget of one institution of allopathy all in from medical science. So how can you expect wonderful things to happen? I have been telling, we need institutions of the kind of IITs and IAMs. It, at least one, in 2016, I made a direct request to PM also on this, to study in this area the way Abhi has been telling and look at what is. I don't say even today that everything in Ayurveda is sacroscient. There can be distortions in any science when it is practiced. I am ready to admit it. But distortion cannot be a rule. Distortion is an exemption, exception, because of so many other things. For example, there are limitations through which ideas of today are working. So there can be limitations in the efficacy of the thing. But you cannot just do blindly say that it is pseudoscience. That's a big word. And, you know, he's also talking about homemade remedies like turmeric or papaya leaves or papaya seed taken for uh, curing dengue. So all those typically traditional homemade remedies that we use, you know, suddenly I as a mother, I feel very strange that, oh, turmeric is not good. (laughs) I have been giving it to my kids. So, you know, what to do with those doubts? Because obviously someone who is a medical practitioner saying that, and do you think that you need to respond or defend this? Home remedies uh, has been a savior of our communities for thousands of years. But 
in modern times as happening in other any other streams of science so many distortion have come for example papaya is not a leaves for dengue is not a classical revelation classical text remedy at all some people have been using i think it came from brazil or south america it came first that plant itself and it has been used by people it can improve the blood picture hospital platelet growth but one has to do study on that once such a claim is coming be used it is the scientific body like icmr all industrial medical science or somebody if you take it up do study it's a very simple thing that it is there in the use of the people and if it is good you should use it how can you say it is not how can you expect a vaidya in the local area when he found something useful you know it and if there is something wrong with that you find out and come with a proper data on that without that how can you make big claims but papaya leaves has not much to do with the traditional practice traditional medicine please see we have got 4700 ethnic communities in this country in that around 447 are tribal communities that is a almost 10% of the population there was a big study done in 1990 or so under dr pushpangadan's supervision under the man and biosphere program of ministry of environment that study has unfortunately not come to the public domain they have documented 7000 plants used by this ethnic that is only 10% not the all population which are being used by these communities for different purposes related to health and diseases and this has been used by them for hundreds of years and how can i say how many of them are good how many of them are bad but it is in the ethnic practice and we should be proud that our people are aware of using the local flora local fauna the product in a way which is helping them and try to improve upon them study them further instead of making them see you don't come from a mbbs college you are not a science it's for the way people learn from the nature so you categorically refute the statement that ayurveda is a pseudo science how to call a science as a science how to call a science as a pseudo science there is a method of debate we have got 62 method of understanding and knowledge without knowing all these because we feel that knowing indigenous is something inferior we never study our sciences we never believe our sciences something comes some 200 years back we think that is the great that's the only way so that blinds you it is that a country like india is going behind this kind of suggestion rather than working on something positively so that we can bring artemisian kind of products to the market which will help people Uh, we have not yet come because india has not done that at all i am instrumental under the guidance of ms valiathan and dr bhushan patwardhan kind of people we did the study of uh, prakriti you know prakriti is a basic thing we say that every human being having a domination of one or two vada pitta pitta gaba gaba pitta vada pitta gaba or combination seven kind of prakriti types are made this is the basic foundation of ayurveda if it is un- disproved ayurveda has no stone no foundation at all so we did study and around 3000 people between age group of 20 and 30 took their blood and those people like iisc bangalore iit karakpur and ms valiathan and pune university kind of institution iimb hyderabad these are the institution world and i was one of the pis and we found end of the study we found there are 50% species which categorize the pitta prakriti of a person so there is a pitta prakriti there is a genetic basis which is proven it is came in nature one of the international reputed journal nature will not publish any material which is not scientifically 
brief. So there is science in Ayurveda, but we have not done enough work. So each and everything you bring, if the is the old concept of epigenetics, it was Ayurveda's contribution to the science. Since there are so many different ways of people interpreting the traditional medicine, isn't that a drawback for Ayurveda in the sense, if I go to a local Vaidya and he gives me some um, recommendations about you know medicines to be taken, then how am I to be sure that, okay, this is a real science, real Ayurveda, not some um, quack? So I'm saying, isn't that a problem in Ayurveda where people have used it, interpreted it in their own way and patients may get confused or even not benefit? See, there are internal problems to Ayurveda, like we all talk about improving the educational system so that we bring good clinicians to the field rather than people who don't understand Ayurveda but understand more of modern science. That's what is happening. So many times there are difficulties, people who are coming out of the educational system, but that is a thing which we have to internally correct. See, science you separate, practitioners separate. There are some problems with the practitioner you have to correct it. There are methods to correct it, to bring in good pedagogy to the system. Let us have uh, finishing schools for them before they come to the market for practicing. But uh, generally speaking, these people are supposed to treat using the principles of Ayurveda by five and a half years of education. How many of them are doing it properly is another question. But Ayurveda is a science has got its own validity and utility and usefulness and it is very, very contemporary relevant. Not only contemporary relevant, it is going to be future of medicine because in the frontiers of research, you're looking globally, people are looking at systems like Ayurveda, remedies for uh, chronic metabolic disorders and uh, lifestyle disorders because there is no methodology in modern medicine to look into it because they don't see the system as support. So this problem is there, but uh, there are good physicians. You have to find out good physicians, good places, good brands. That's one way of looking at it. But other distortions, it is the government machinery should put into active role and correct it if there are something kind of. Otherwise, they are supposed to. For example, we have got 8,000, 9,000 sub-industrial units registered under Drug and Cosmetic Act in the country. Kerala alone has got 800, 900. Whether they are making the medicine properly, whether they are giving quality control, it's a different question. This is only what we call a administrative issues, not a scientific issue. Whether you are using it, you correct it. If there are, we are getting many uh, false products in modern medicine also. We catch them, we punish them, we correct them, we get them. That's a different thing. But the way Ayurveda reaches highly scientific and it is one of the system which gives hope to the future. I do admit this administrative issues. There are issues which are to be discussed in a different platform. I would like to know what are the efforts done by the industry and government to get Ayurveda in a better way to the people? More than you and me, industry is more interested to grow Ayurveda because it is their <laughs> bread and butter. And there is a good industry associations who are working very genuinely for this purpose. I think the problem industry is that none of the industries in India is more than 500, 700, 800 crore, the classical preparations. Others are all MSMEs or micro-level institutes. So they don't have much muscle strength. See, even for a small GMP to implement, government have to use thousands of industries, 10 lakhs, 20 lakhs to put a proper lab in place. So these kind of difficulties are there because they are small players. So industry like Ayurvedic Drug Manufacturers Association or Ayurvedic Medicine Manufacturing Organization of India and Kerala, these kind of organizations are working they are ready to discuss with government to see how it can be further propagated. None of them are telling that allow us to do whatever we want. They are ready to improve quality. They are bringing changes. 
there are big changes and there are very good companies who are ethically producing things and making available to market. There are Dutpa Vesar kind of people. There are, I am not naming many Kotekel, Coimbatore. All those people are there. There are ethical people making good products. But that is not sufficient. The need increases. You have to have more and more. But there is a very big need for government to make sure that quality control is a primary thing in industry when the newer and newer company comes, producers comes. But industry is very active as per my knowledge. Do you think government has ignored, you know, you already mentioned earlier, Ayush ministry, how it came to be and, you know, how active it became and when it became. But do you think government should have done better or more for supporting the traditional medicine? The present government has done more than any other government. There's no doubt. But I feel there is a lack of direction on the government side. How to see that Ayurveda, Ayur system, not Ayurveda, Ayur system play a bigger role than today. And how to do it? For example, I, I have been telling, for example, not only India, there are some 33 countries in the world where Ayurveda is being practiced some way or other. There are some eight or nine countries where Ayurveda is legally accepted as a system. You can go and sit and register and practice like in India. So we have got many countries in Southeast Asian area where people, public want Ayurveda, not the government. See, always this integration, growth of Ayurveda happened not because of government support at all. Please take it from me. It was because the public needed it. It is the public who supported Ayurveda, public who have been promoting Ayurveda, not the government. Allopathy is a big giant with a lot of support from everywhere. But the Ayurveda is only a physician-oriented physician and very small few industries with very limited things. So how can you do anything unless government patronize it? So I think government needs a direction in terms of establishing centers of excellence on certain areas, not spending big amount in a spread way, put it large amount in one area and see it. The other thing was about the whole efforts now to kind of integrate. Like, you know, WHO talks about integration of the traditional medicine into the modern medicine. How do you look at that effort? So, like, is, is Ayurveda complete in itself or does it need an integration with modern medicine to become more effective? Yes. See, Ayurveda yeah. is a science of evolving science. You take, for example... It, all Ayurveda reference starts from Rigveda with the 10 plants. It came to Adharvaveda, it came in 62 plants. When it came to Samhita period, Charaga, Sutrada, etc., it becomes 600 plants. And in 2nd century AD, when Vagbhara came to the scene, it became 1,000 and old medicine plants. And when the Nikandus came, the last Nikandu in the 19th century, the Chaligram Nikandu, around 2,000 plants has been explained. The Ministry of Ayurveda recently published uh, some 10 years back a book with 4,000 plants. And there is the documentation of 7,000 plants by Ministry of Environment. And so it's false, it is evolving. So Ayurveda has been evolving, absorbing, making, then only it can grow. And Vagpada says very clearly, Yugani Ruba Sandarbho Vibhagyanagarishti. Hey, children, I am putting things into your perspective in a modern language. I am taking the cue from ancient people and digesting for you. And see, if you are not moving with the time, you will become obsolete. You will not be in the sea. The strength of Ayurveda is it is ready to absorb. You don't say no to knowledge. Knowledge is not darkness. Knowledge is light. What is wrong in taking something from modern science if it is useful? 
Only thing is, it should not be at the cost of the foundational principle of Ayurveda. Like Gandhiji told, let the wind come. You open the window, but don't allow that wind to blow you out. So, integrative medicine is a need of the time. And mind you, this also came from not from the scientist. It also came from the public. Because they want integration, 1992-1994, Clinton was the president of U.S. that time. There's a huge cry by public of U.S. that we want herbal medicine in our country. And there were thousands of letters went to the Washington, D.C. And they came with a new law, allowed medicine, single herbs come to U.S. without FDA approval as a food supplement. This law came in 1994. That made a big difference. That's the first integration. We didn't go further on that. We didn't work further on that. I think now we are not at all in a stage of integration. I call this condition as a summative medicine. Summative medicine is uh, two systems work independently, something do on a patient and bring some result. We have to go a long way for integration is assimilation of principle each other, become one and become. That's a long, long journey. So the last question is about this whole controversy that has started you know, wherein Himalaya Wellness Company has filed a court case and because of which, you know, the Twitter account of Dr. Phillips has got suspended. So how do you see that action? I think uh, that's the right thing done by Himalaya. It should have been done. The reason is that, see, you cannot talk unilaterally without a proper understanding. And he has made, given name to the products and other things of a particular company, which is in the commercial structure, without substantiating it. That product has come to the market with a proper process of which government of India has a party to that. So they've done the studies. And how can you say it is like tomorrow, if I come and say one product, paracetamol is bad for liver, it is true. But what dosage for, how much time you use, did you increase the dose? All those things are matter. And how can you make a public comment against a product of modern medicine without doing a proper study? And he is making claims because if people come to him and talk about it. Did he do any study on that? Did he ever go to a laboratory and study what it is? Did he ask got any clinical study done on that? How can he come down a product whether it is good or bad? Just because uh, 50 patients is say uh, every day, uh, based on the patient's observation, uh, can you make comments like that? And I eat empty things in a day. One of the things would have caused my liver condition, which I don't know. See, even a product come to the market, so many exclusions you have to do. Why you do a double-blind clinical study anytime? Why the reason is there are so many variants are there which can cause a change in the body, we want to exclude. So without doing double-blind clinical study, we don't get a product to the market. And you are coming and sitting on a platform and telling, abusing everything. And uh, Himalaya, whether you like it or not, is a company of a standing for last 100 years. And you have done already damage to me. See, my face, now people come and ask me, sir, can I take Guruji? Because someone has written. But I, I don't think it is uh, substantiated. Uh, so whatever Himalaya done is a good thing. I congratulate them for that. And let him go to the higher court. I don't mind. But it is a needed from the industry side. Ideally, it would have been done by IF ministry, not by Himalaya. Because they are the main stakeholder. Because they are the umbrella organization supporting us. I, I love Ayurveda, I eat Ayurveda, I drink Ayurveda, I sleep Ayurveda. I came to Ayurveda because I'm a passion to this science. So it is uh, very painful when someone making these sweeping comments. 
and completely negating a science of a great, great stature and without understanding it. Prima facie, the debate between modern and traditional medicine seems to be a tough one. But at a fundamental level, it isn't. It's not easy for modern medical practitioners to dismiss traditional medicine, which enjoys acceptability and popularity among the masses. It is better to look at ways in which traditional medicine can be understood and researched well to bring out the cause-effect relationships that medical science looks for. After all, the 2019 UN High-Level Meeting on Universal Healthcare Coverage did acknowledge the need to include evidence-based traditional medicine particularly in primary healthcare systems to make healthcare accessible. On the other hand, to say that traditional medicine doesn't need validation from modern science is not sufficient. As we heard today, for traditional science to remain valid and current, it needs to add to its knowledge the latest methods that are contemporary. In all this, the government plays the most important role. There are some efforts being taken and that too at an international level. In August this year, the World Health Organization, in partnership with the Government of India, convened the first high-level global summit on traditional medicine to explore evidence-based opportunities to promote healthcare for all. But to make traditional medicine evidence-based, there must be investment made towards research and development in conducting longitudinal patient studies and drug trials at well-equipped medical laboratories. It also involves increasing the regulatory scrutiny on traditional medicine practices to prevent misinformation and misuse. Traditional medicine can't typically be the unorganized segment of healthcare in India. For this, all the stakeholders need to be on board, which is easier said than done. Interestingly, we are seeing a different kind of integration at a commercial level. Last year, Apollo Hospitals, India's largest private healthcare company, acquired a leading classical Ayurvedic hospital chain recognizing the patient's need for seeking holistic wellness. Business developments like these are likely to be more successful in achieving the so-called integration between the different fields of medicines. For now, it will be interesting to watch out how the legal battle between modern and traditional medicine plays out in the court of law and what lessons they hold for all of us. So that's it for today. This is Kiran Somanshi from The Economic Times. And you were listening all about the big drug debate in healthcare, modern versus the traditional medicine, only on The Morning Brief. A special thank you to our guests for sharing their amazing insights. The production team for this episode consisted of sound experts, Rajas Nayak, Indranil Bhattacharji and Amrit Reji, and Vinay Joshi as the producer. TMB's executive producers are Anupriya Nair, Anirban Chaudhary and Arijit Barman. Thank you for listening and if you like this episode, do spread the word. The Morning Brief is available on all podcast platforms, ED website and ED Play. That's our exclusive platform for all audio content. Have a great weekend ahead.